to the extent that is the American Bar Association Business Law Section's podcast series. Our podcasts provide general information. They aren't a substitute for legal advice from a licensed professional. We offer both standalone and serial podcasts on a variety of topics and welcome your feedback and suggestions at ababusinesslaw.americanbar.org. We hope you enjoy your selection. This is Rick Pashkin, and I am the content guy for the ABA's business law section, and I welcome you to our section's podcast platform to the extent that. This series is on pro bono, and the name of this episode is Big Law Business Lawyers Making a Difference in the Community, the Neighborhood Business Initiative. The host of this episode is Judge Elizabeth Stong. Judge Stong is a U.S. bankruptcy judge in the Eastern District of New York, sitting in Brooklyn. And I will let Judge Stong introduce our guest. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it is for you to our wonderful listeners, we're so grateful to have this opportunity to spend a little time with you and talk about and hear about Big Law Business Lawyers Making a Difference in the Community, the Neighborhood Business Initiative. To explore this topic, we are so fortunate to hear from Anna Dodson of the Goodwin Firm, and uh, she'll tell you a little bit about her business background, but I'll give you the highlight that she structures and negotiates debt finance transactions as a partner at the Goodwin Firm's debt finance practice and has done that for some years. But as you're about to hear, Along with all of that, she has an extraordinary commitment to pro bono and has lived that through Goodwin's Neighborhood Business Initiative. Anna, it's so good to be with you. Tell us a little bit first about that practice, that business law practice that you've had for some years. Hello, Judge Stong. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about Goodwin's Neighborhood Business Initiative. My practice is a debt finance and restructuring practice. I have been at Goodwin for just over 21 years, almost 22 next month. Um, I sit in our private equity group and work a lot with sponsors, private equity venture sponsors and portfolio companies, as well as other public and private companies um, in borrowing money, issuing debt, leverage buyouts, recaps, restructurings. Um, from a million dollars to two and a half billion, um, sort of the gamut. So, so Anna, you represent private equity lenders, you do funds, you do structurings. How in the world does a lawyer with a rock star practice like yours get interested in something like the Neighborhood Business Initiative? Tell us how that happened. When I joined Goodwin, one of the many aspects of Goodwin's culture that really attracted me was their commitment to pro bono. And there was sort of this entrepreneurial spirit. If you want to do this, a certain type of pro bono, you can do it. My background before law was in um, economic development. And so I've always had an interest in small businesses, small business owners, entrepreneurs from, you know, under-resourced communities who are building their own wealth um, and creating their own path for themselves and their families. And working with folks at Goodwin, Carolyn Rosenthal, Bill Mayer, and others, and also the Lawyers for Civil Rights, 
we were able to start Neighborhood Business Initiative about 20 years ago. It's been really exciting. It has been sort of an organic growth. And you're right, it was always sort of what I and others were interested in. And we sort of followed those interests and our partnerships in the community and with legal service organizations to see where we could go and who we could serve. So how does this kind of a practice and this kind of client representation, small business clients fit into a firm like 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 Goodwin, where your your clients cross a range of industries and, and sectors, but probably you don't have too many regular clients who are outside of this initiative who are small business clients. How do those pieces fit together? That is a great question. I would say first and foremost, our work through the Neighborhood Business Initiative reflects our values, access to justice, providing access to all law for all people. We think that business law is as important as other sorts of law in that it protects protects entrepreneurs from liability and it allows them to capture the wealth that they create. Um, we believe, you know, we value community development and we think that small business as other businesses are important to promoting diverse and vibrant communities and neighborhoods. And finally, we really um, value equity for all. Um, and we think it's really our efforts can be important in dismantling systemic barriers based on race, uh, gender, um, LGBTQ status and ethnic background. And it's really taking what we do for our fee-for-service clients and making those resources available for individuals as entrepreneurs, as leaders of small business to do what they want to do, to create the businesses they want to create, to grow them, to negotiate and you know sort through liability, distress, all the stuff we do for our regular way fee-for-service clients. It's really the same work in a lot of cases. So you, you brilliantly anticipated my next question, which is how do you think about the distinction, if there is one, between the way that you would represent and you would counsel uh, and you would serve a pro bono client on the one hand, including through the Neighborhood Business Initiative or NBI, and, and uh, you know, a, a billion-dollar fund, a private equity group, something like that. What are the similarities and what are the differences? I think the similarities are really very strong. You know, our clients are creative individuals who are working together. They're taking risks. They're seeking to create value. Um, a small business owner may be focused on providing for her family. And, you know, and a sponsor will be looking to realize value for, for the sponsor's investors. But at the end of the day, this is, this is all life with humans. Right, we have creative people who are working hard, who have a lot on their plate. Um, a small business owner may be distracted by their day job. For example, we have a lot of pro bono clients who are engaged in wage employment for benefits and otherwise, and sort of have a side gig of building their business, building their passion, using resources. And, you know, there we're focused on making sure that they can grow that business, that that they don't take risks, um, that they don't have to. I will say one difference is that low-income entrepreneurs, small business owners, and underserved communities, it feels like they take a lot of risk, more risk maybe than the rest of us take in our, in our lives. They put their houses on the line over and over again in order to finance their businesses. But it's all about listening. It's all about being an advocate, 
for the goals that you hear your client expressing. It's about strategizing with them on the most cost-effective approach for realizing those goals, for helping understand the risks, helping them understand the risks, and being prepared for them if they come to pass, but really also being prepared for success and really working hard to drive towards success and growth, whether it's a lease you know, for a pop-up restaurant or whether it's a large buyout. Listening, strategizing, managing risks. And I I love your fourth point, being prepared for success. Uh, Those sounds like things that would cross over from a small business, as you say, a side gig entrepreneur who's got a day job and a family to feed to a fund manager or, um, or, or a distressed lender. Do you think you'll learn things from representing the small businesses and listening and strategizing and, and, and managing risk and preparing for success? Do you think a younger lawyer or a more junior lawyer can learn things from that experience that will make them more effective uh, when they're the lead lawyer on the deal, the financing? Absolutely. I think pro bono offers amazing opportunity for professional development for folks who are professionally junior or for folks who want to try something new, right? So who are junior in a space, if not junior in their career. For example, one of our specialties in pro bono is food labeling. And this is products liability FDA and state rules on what can be in labels. It's also copyright, trademark, and design. And our food industry incubator, um, which has now grown into a practice, started with folks who were working with small businesses, right? So this was a way to dig in on complicated, complex substance. Same question, what needs to be on the baby food label? And a way to really develop that substance and a pro bono space more forgiving on time investment and carry that benefit forward for their own personal substantive growth. Similarly, being able to articulate complex issues in a straightforward manner is always important. And it's something, it's a skill. Some folks come to it naturally, other folks, you know, grow into it. Um, Pro bono offers a great opportunity to break down things that can be complex, but need to be communicated crisply and clearly. It's also just an amazing opportunity to learn how to listen, which is, I think, one of the most fundamentally important points of counseling. You want to make sure you hear priorities and you hear risk tolerance accurately, that you're really capturing things from your client. And crossing social or cultural differences really is a great way to sort of slow down set one's ego aside, and really focus on skilled, active listening, which is just pays dividends on a go-forward basis in, in, in a career. My speculation would be that there's probably nothing you can do in your life as a lawyer, or maybe in your life more broadly defined, that isn't enhanced by the ability to be, just as you say, to be an effective listener, to be an active listener. Uh, I, I love this concept of preparing for success. We all think we're ready for success. Bring it on. Success is great. Um, tell me more about what you mean about helping a client to be prepared for success. So being prepared for success in the small business context is 
sometimes as simple as sort of, well, what's your entity? What, what entity are you going to be so that if you're successful and you create wealth, are you creating it in a company that you can sell, right? And so it can seem quite basic, but it can also become very complicated very quickly, including in the small business. If you have a partner, how are you going to share in the success? If one partner shows up with an idea and another partner shows up with sweat equity and another partner shows up with capital, how are you going to divide the success, right? How are you going to share in the success? And that's actually something that a lot of small businesses overlook. How you share in success is sort of a cornerstone of partnership, I guess I would say. And so small businesses trying to work through how are we going to work together on a day-to-day basis? Who manages, who owns, who manages, what are key decisions? I mean, these are all core questions of corporate law and business law. And they start off right away from the very beginning. How are we going to share in the success of our business when we work together? And I can imagine that it's a good question to have in mind when you're structuring a fund and maybe you get smart about thinking about it and asking the kind of open-ended questions that will help you give good advice. If you've had that opportunity in the first few years of your career uh, as a junior lawyer and and speaking and, and thinking of junior lawyers, I'm so curious to understand how you've been able at Goodwin to communicate the message, including to your youngest lawyers and to your most senior lawyers that this is their program, this is their project, this is their opportunity, Um, this will I hope, and maybe this is another question, this will make them better business lawyers. How do you think you can get that word across in a way that people credit, believe, and are willing to invest their own time and energy in? That's a great question. We have used two methods. One is we have an amazing professional team at Goodwin, including our marketing team, and they help us get the message out with graphics, with video, so that colleagues, junior um, junior attorneys and, and senior partners can see the good it does. And, you know, branding, 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 it's important everywhere. And it's been very important in our effort in recruiting volunteer attorneys. Also, I would mention our professionals at Goodwin also volunteer and provide sort of business technical assistance at times, um, not just helping us build out our program. It's also been sort of, our second path is to start off with the question, well, what do you want to do, right? And what would you like to do? And that might be something, you know, the answer might be, well, I would love to work with this partner. She's someone I've always wanted to work with and our practices don't overlap. Well, you know, doing a pro bono matter might be a way to work with that partner that you couldn't work with otherwise. Someone else might answer the question, you know, I'm really working on mentoring and trying to connect with more with more of our mid-level associates. And so that partner who's interested in mentoring, connecting, building her own posse, who's going to be her team, 
as she moves from a junior partner to a senior partner, she may get involved in intake, for example, understanding what clients do and then helping us staff them internally, right? Because she, this will give her an opportunity to talk to associates. What are they interested in? What are they doing? It's a way to connect. It's a way to, to work with people and, and build bridges that then transfer easily into fee-for-service work. So if I worked with, um, if I worked with an associate on a pro bono matter, you know, she might be top of mind when I go to staff my next transaction. So a partner who's building their team may be interested in participating in staffing, um, and that may be more interesting to them than setting up a new limited liability company. Or it may just be as simple as, you know, I really love this neighborhood, and in this neighborhood there's this great organization, and I want to work with them. And to that associate or that partner, we can say, great, we have a team of folks who teach these workshops. We have these opportunities for clinics. And so here is a menu that you can take to this organization in the community that you care about, and we, and we can provide resources to them. You can take point, you lead, we will follow, and we can deliver these resources. So that's how we engage people. We try to ask them what do they want, where do they want to go? And then when we answer that question um, with sort of action and resources and opportunity. And so, Anna, I want you to assume that the answer to that question is, I want to have a successful career at Goodwin in business law. I, I, I came here because I love the practice. I'm really excited about it. And I did some pro bono in uh, law school. And maybe if I'm a New York lawyer, I had to do pro bono to be admitted. But I, I just, I don't see how it connects to my aspiration and ambitious to be the best business lawyer that I can possibly be so that I'll be right there next to you and the most influential women in mid-market M&A list and something like that. What do you say to that person? I say that's awesome, right? That is a terrific goal. And have you considered that being happy is a superpower and that one of the ways to be happy is to be a lawyer working with people you like on projects you like from time to time. And sometimes the pro bono project is exactly that opportunity. It's a way to impact the young fellow who has a great idea and who is looking for guidance on what is it like to raise funds for a very small business? How do I do fundraising for a very small business? And you get to work with someone you don't otherwise get to work with because, for example, they're the same class year as you, and it might be competitive on a transaction, but on a pro bono project, you can collaborate and have a great time. And that pro bono is a way not just to do good, but to feel good, to feel good about um, about what you're doing, about your practice. It's stories to tell, it's people to meet. I think that's pretty powerful. I also think that law is about power and that sort of giving back that power, you know, helping small businesses be protected by the legal protections that large businesses have. You know, just simply doing that, even if it's not the most wonderful experience 
in and of itself can make you happy and feel good. And again, what we do when we strive to be successful can be very hard at times. And being happy and feeling good about what we do in ourselves is sort of a superpower to help us sort of stretch and learn and grow and be there for our clients and build the practices that we want. I I love this idea that the answer to the question, what's your superpower, could be as simple as, well, I'm happy. Do you think it makes you a better business lawyer to have test run some of these skills like listening, strategizing, managing risk, thinking about what you're going to do after you're successful? Do you, do you think do you think that makes your the, the young lawyers, the junior lawyers who participate in neighborhood biz, business initiative, do you see that it, it carries forward that maybe they have a little more experience or confidence when they're having that conversation with a client and they're a senior associate or a, a junior partner? I do. I do. That is, it is my view that it does make people better lawyers overall to have more connections with more people in their firm and outside their firm. Um, I think it makes people more interesting, right? The more people you know, the more things you do, the more interesting you are. I think the more challenges you have, the better, the more opportunity you have to develop listening skills and problem solving skills. And just sort of being their skills. So often being an advocate is standing by someone, especially I do debt finance and there's distress and restructuring, standing by someone, even when things are difficult and learning how to just be very matter of fact. And this is a difficult process we're going to go through and I'm your lawyer and I'm your advocate and you're not going to go through it alone. That is something that a lesson that can be learned I think working with very small businesses, they are resource constrained. They don't have the choices that, you know, a larger business might have. They have to take risks that other larger businesses might not have to take. Learning how to be a support and a counselor um, under all circumstances and positive and, and there for your client under all circumstances, I think is one of the best lessons you can learn from working with a small business. It's such good advice. I'm thinking of so many situations, even back in practice, and certainly that I see in court, where the lawyer who is the one that other people look to when something unexpected happens often, but for sure not always, the senior person on the team. It's good to be that lawyer. It's good for your client. It's probably good for your career. It's um, uh, certainly helpful to the court to know that there are people who have that role in the case. It's a wonderful example. Let me ask you this. I love stories. Is there a, a particular story that stands out, a person, an example, a result, a a resolution that that illustrates some of these points that you've been making so well? There are a lot of stories. Um, You know, small business doesn't always make for a headline story, but we did have one client who we helped purchase a barbershop. And this was before the financial crisis. And that person operated, I think, a four or a five chair barbershop. And, you know, and was prosperous and was able to employ some of his children, which was a goal. He had hoped to have, you know, a place where they could find him and where they could work. You know, important for uh, to have a place for teenagers to come after school 
that was one of his life priorities in building his business. And the financial crisis came and I got a call one day. The question was sort of, what can I do? My house is in foreclosure. And we sort of talked about that briefly. And then I asked, how is your business? And he's like, oh, my business is fine. I've never missed a payment on my commercial mortgage because my business is the core of how I provide for my family. And for me, this is sort of, you know, this is someone who's looking at losing their home, but they kept their business. And because we were able to create a company, um, help this business owner own the physical space so this person could be an owner operator, you know, that business is still in that neighborhood. And he had, you know, work and revenue and resources for himself and to offer to his children as they were growing up. And not all business stories, obviously, are like this. We all know most small businesses end with some some difficulties. But this is sort of the ideal of what we hope for, right? You know, not a big project for a big law firm, setting up a small limited liability company, doing a small real estate acquisition transaction, you know, but profoundly important for someone even, you know, even 50, what was it, five years later, and then he still has his business now 15 years later. So it can be incredibly meaningful. And, you know, you say maybe not as big a deal as the capital B big, capital D deals that would come to Goodwin, but a pretty big deal indeed, a very big deal to that, to your client, to their family, to their neighbors, to the the, the teenagers that come by. What a great example. Um, and I always like to think, and I occasionally say this out loud, you know, every big business was a small business once. Um, never forget that. So, so here's my closing yeah. for you, Anna. What advice would you have, whether it's for a, a lawyer, a young lawyer, a, a corner office partner who may think, well, if I have an interest in pro bono, will people think I'm less serious? Maybe it's the junior lawyer that thinks that. What, what advice would you give about how to, move, how to work this kind of practice and satisfaction into your firm, into your career path, into your life? So my first advice is if you have a pro bono opportunity, say yes. Um, but then in thinking about that, I'm like, no, actually, first you need to look for opportunity and keep an eye out for an opportunity that suits, and then say yes. For example, Goodwin's Debt Finance Practice, we, have, we are a mixed, diverse group, and we have different views on pro bono. In 2020, when the Paycheck Protection Program came out, and that was a very specific thing for debt finance, and there was new rules, there was a new program, and it's about borrowing and lending and all this good stuff. It offered an opportunity for the entire group to work together. And it was only as a group that we could actually cover all of the need um, that we were able to do. We were able to work together during a stressful time. And so that's, a, that's an example of not everyone who loves pro bono is going to want to say yes all the time. But we were all always looking. And when the right opportunity came, we did it together. 
So look for opportunities that are unusual. Look for opportunities you can do with others. And as in your career, be opportunistic, right? Have some courage. Say yes, even when you're busy. You know, part of being strong is working when you're working when it's hard. And that may be how pro bono is sometimes. But bottom line, it's it's always going to be interesting and rewarding. And if you do it with others, it's not going to be as hard as it might have seemed at the outset. That is a great point on which to close. Say yes. Be smart about what may work for you. Kind of thinking maybe you're at a buffet. Be smart about what you may like, but also be willing to try something else, especially if you can do it with a friend or a new friend or a colleague. We were speaking about ways you might get to know people outside your practice group or your floor or your your pod. Um, I was thinking about networking, a, a concept that I think sometimes gets overused, but sure seems to have some resonance here. Anna, my thanks, my heartfelt thanks for your time today, but just as important for all you do to show us how business lawyers with business practices at the biggest firms doing the biggest deals can also make a huge difference in every way for their colleagues, for their clients, for their communities, through their pro bono work, including through programs like the Neighborhood Business Initiative. Thank you so much and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you for listening to the ABA Business Law Section's podcast series, To the Extent That. The section offers a robust collection of content. To explore more about this topic or to learn about joining the section, visit ambar.org slash bizlaw. That's B-I-Z-L-A-W.